I was thinking about doing some gambling myself. You know, just a little bit of money. Maybe doubling it and doubling it several more times. I don't know. Kind of just for fun. I was thinking, do you have any tips or ideas about sure things? Welcome in another episode of By the Hook. Colby Powell and Andrew Gilman with you. And Andrew, I don't know about you, but I've really been struggling to get myself excited for the Missouri States and Tulsa's of the world. But now we get a little conference play, and the Big 12 has done us all the service of easing the better teams in to conference play. Oklahoma State opens with West Virginia and without Spencer Sanders. OU is supposed to open with Kansas State, and the longer we hear yeah. that that game hasn't been canceled, the better. So let, let me ask you, your interest meter is... Is it going up as we get into the first week of conference play? Of course, of course, because these are teams I recognize. Uh, and I think any OSU fan wants to sort of get a feel for how their team is going to be. And I think OU fans are the same way, particularly with Rattler against somebody that's not a walkover opponent or supposed to be a walkover opponent anyway. But, uh, you know, just jumping right in with OU, I- I'm seeing 27 and a half, 28, somewhere in that neighborhood. Are you getting that number too? I'm, see- I'm seeing 28, yep. I don't know how that number stays at right where it is. We've had Chris Kleiman essentially tell us if they play, they're way outmatched because he's talking about tackles that'll work at tight end and tight ends that'll work at fullback and they can't put together a scout team. Is that just smoke and mirrors or is that real COVID talk or what's the advantage of him saying any of that? Yeah, I think one of two things is going to happen. Either one, Kansas State's going to come out they're just flat out not going to have enough guys and they're going to lose by 60 or it is smoke and mirrors and Kansas state is going to come out and they know they're huge underdogs and they're going to come out with nothing to play play for. And they're going to come out with nothing to lose and they're going to play inspired football. And I I don't know. It seems like OU minus 28 should just be an easy play and they're going to win 55 to 10, but it just hasn't been that simple with OU for some reason in, in some of these games in the past. I, I think no. I might be the only one who thinks this is a no play, but with all the unknowns about Kansas State yeah. and what they're coming in with, I kind of just think this is a no play. It, it's either a no play or OU. I don't know how you could bet, bet K-State here. 68% of the bets on OU, 67% of the money. That's a lot of college football is generated, you know, uh, tradition-wise. No, no matter what OU's like any year, they're going to be a huge favorite over Kansas State. The public thinks so. Uh, but we do know this about OU no matter what year it is, they seem to lose to a team that they shouldn't. I don't see them losing to a team that they – right, right. I don't see them losing to that same team two years in a row. Last year it was K-State. Remember, K-State got up to that huge halftime lead. OU comes all the way back, has an onside kick, and a call got overturned, and a little goofy finish, and Jalen Hurts put the ball on the ground over and over in that first half. I don't see OU losing this game. I don't see this game being close. I do see them leaving Spencer Rattler in for as long as they possibly can to get him more work for Iowa State and Texas that are coming up in the next couple weeks. This is all signs point to OU in a big in a big way because I think that they're going to want to run their offense. You can run your offense all day against Missouri State and not know anything about it. You run it against K-State, and at least that gives you a bit of a barometer. I like OU, just like you said. 49-10, somewhere in that neighborhood. So you think it is a play and you would lay the 28? Yep. I would lay the 28. In mm-hmm. fact, I might lay I might lay up to 30 or 31 in this one. Wow. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't hate it. It's just it's too many unknowns 
for me, and that's that's what's scaring me away. Uh, I think we do know most about what we're getting with Oklahoma State and West Virginia. Spencer Sanders, oh my God. all indications, we're not going to be having Spencer Sanders. Shane Illingworth, uh, you know, yep. he's thrown five passes now in his college yep. career, which has spanned all of one quarter, Andrew. Yep. And Oklahoma yep. State fans are ready to dub him the guy. I got to tell yep. you, West Virginia is a seven-point dog. Oklahoma State looked like an absolute dog last week. I yep. don't know that Oklahoma State's going to cover this seven. I think they're going to have everything they want from West Virginia. Um, interesting, because West Virginia was – they were dreadful last season. They were terrible. Uh, they couldn't move the ball. They weren't any good on defense. Uh, the question is, how much do you trust their – essentially the new coaching staff, second-year coaching staff? My question to you, Colby, is as good as Lincoln Riley has been with quarterbacks and transfers or whatever reason you want to sort of uh, take away from Lincoln Riley and quarterbacks, feel free. But is Gundy good at evaluating quarterbacks either? Spencer Sanders doesn't play. They went with Corn Dog a couple years ago. They'd run the second teamer out there last week, and by God, he was awful. I mean, he couldn't throw a pass. He couldn't run. He couldn't make people miss. They couldn't hand the ball off effectively. What's the problem there? Why in the hell was he the second team guy? Yeah, I don't know. I, I said this, Carson Cunningham and I host the Pistols Firing yeah. Podcast. Please tell me. And, and, and on, Monday, on Monday, I said on any given year, on any given year, you know, obviously there is like the Whedon year, the Rudolph year. This year, Spencer Sanders was clearly number one yep. on the depth chart. So if you take number one yep. out, that's fine. But anytime there's an actual competition in Stillwater, the best way to figure out who the best player at quarterback is is to print out your depth chart. You get online, you actually physically print it out, you take it, and you rotate it 180 degrees. And now you have listed in order the quarterbacks yeah. in terms of how good yeah. they are in Stillwater. And, and Andrew, it's not once or twice. 15 years now, anytime yeah. there's a quarterback competition, Gundy picks the wrong guy. And I just – it can't be an accident. It's not a coincidence no. at this point. No. I, and, and I'm not ready to say that Ellingworth is, you know, some sort of savior. Oh, I'm not but, either. He just got there. But he, but, is, he is one of the highest-rated recruits Oklahoma State's ever landed at that position. Forget that. I don't even know anything about that. That's your that's your area. Fine. I, I, I that's fine. I, I believe you. But he took the snapland center. He looked like he knew what he was doing. He moved around with confidence. That was not the case with the second team guy. Yeah. That second team guy looked like that, that's what I would have looked like out there. The third string guy, Ellingworth, looked like he was comfortable. He looked he looked good dropping back. He threw the ball with some gusto. The other guy didn't. And I don't know what. That, that's what made me think, did these guys practice the last month at all? Because it didn't appear to be the case. Uh, yeah, and, and by the way, part of the reason that I like West Virginia plus the seven this week is because, mm -hmm. I mean, there are things we can count on. Death taxes and Mike Gundy kicking field goals. I mean, you know, you know oh, I've, that I've Mike Gundy. Oh, dude, if he's up by three in the fourth quarter, he's dying to get up by six. The, the only thing uh, in his sights is getting up by six. So Oklahoma State is yeah. a seven-point favorite. Boy, I, I really have to like the dog in that one. You know what? I've said all this, and I've piled on Oklahoma State. You could, you could give me an unsportsmanlike for piling on. I love them in this spot, though. Nobody thinks they're worth a damn. They're only giving up seven to a West Virginia team. They're at home. 15% of the bets are on Oklahoma State. 15%. 85% <laughs> of the bets are on West Virginia. No thanks. Give me an Oklahoma State in an absolute buy low position i'll take that i'll take that all day in fact i would maybe maybe buy a hat about buy that hook down to set six and a half if it's at seven 
I think that they win this game, and I, I I think you might not even need to buy that hook. I think they win this game going away. I think Cuba gets loose a couple times that you couldn't do against Tulsa. They played so tight with that second teamer out there that uh, they were all scared. I don't think that's going to be the case this week. They're going to get out to a big lead, and even Mike Gundy and his field goals won't screw this one up. I certainly hope that you are right. Uh, Texas and Texas Tech, the Horns are 17.5-point favorites. This game will play will be played in Lubbock with 75% mm-hmm. less tortillas. Which side do you like here? <laughs> do you get what what are sopapillas? Are those included? Uh sopapillas are complimentary, yes. With an okay. entree. 90, well, nobody's impressed by that because ninety six percent of the money, seventy five percent of the bets are on Texas God. to cover that. Did you say ninety six? Ninety six percent at seventeen point five points. That is uh brutal. That's a that's a scary number. And if you are a square player, that's perfect. But if you are a fade the public guy, uh, that's a sign that that might be too many. Although, I, I, I don't know how you could bet against. I don't know how you could take Texas Tech in this game. If anything, for me, that's a no play. Uh, that just seems like a lot of points. But then again, is, is Texas Tech a step better than hot garbage? I'm not sure. I'm not Matt, sure. You think Matt Wells ever misses the pretty mountains out there in Utah? Well, he had a couple quarterbacks that could play. I know that. I yeah. don't know that that's the case at Tech. Yeah, I don't know if that's the case at all. Iowa Are you State, playing Texas? Would you play Texas in that game? Yes, I would play Texas minus the 17 and a half. It's a rivalry, okay. so that, you know, people like to say, don't bet rivalry games. I I think it's a little different this year. No fans. Mm-hmm. The energy, I don't think, will be there for Tech. I, I shouldn't say no fans. Less fans. 75% less fans. I do like the Texas, I, the Horns minus 17 and a half. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't think there's – the play is either Texas or nothing. It's not Texas Tech. Completely agree. Uh, another Big okay. 12 game this week. Uh, so we've got two teams. TCU has not been able to play a game yet. They keep getting canceled. Uh, and they're still right. off to a much better start to the season than their opponent this week, which is Iowa State, who got rolled in week one at home by Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Iowa State comes in as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Andrew, you like Iowa State on the road giving two-and-a-half to TCU? I probably do. I, I probably take them. And the money is uh, its interesting. 58% of the bets on Iowa State, 61% of the money on TCU. So that's, uh, that's, that's closer to a coin flip, I guess. I like it because TCU hasn't played, like you mentioned. Iowa State coming off of a loss. Uh, Brock Purdy probably uh, needs to at least redeem himself to some extent. I like Iowa State in spots that they probably shouldn't excel. We don't know much about TCU either. It's not coming off of a great season by any stretch. They haven't been good offensively. I'd probably lay up to three on Iowa State, yeah. Yeah, I'd say get it now at two and a half. I'd say get it now at two and a half because if you find yourself uh, getting it at three and a half, I think you might live to regret it. The other game we've got going in the Big 12, then we'll move on to a little bit of NBA. Kansas and Baylor. Baylor, uh, another team, snake-bitten by uh, COVID. Them and their opponents have not played yet. Kansas, unfortunately, has played and uh, made Coastal Carolina look like they would be a good fit in the Big 12 conference. So, Baylor laying the 17 and a half. Same line we've got on Texas and Tech. And I just can't imagine that anyone would be willing to uh, bet Kansas in this game. Well, you're wrong, Colby. You're so wrong it's unbelievable 82 percent of the money coming stop in on it. kansas kept in 17 stop I'm, it but but i'm not done yet 82 percent of the money on kansas which is odd considering 89 percent of the bets are on baylor most of the people are squarish like you are on this game baylor right the percentage of bets is 
nine tenths. However, the other side of it is all the money on those bets is going on Kansas. So somebody with some large bets and some sharp plays on Kansas, you would have to be razor sharp to even want to touch anything to do with Kansas after their loss against Coastal. I guess that's the spot. If there's ever a spot, it's Kansas catching almost three touchdowns on the road and against the Baylor team we don't know anything about. I don't know how you could get me to go to the window and bet that game. Yeah, that um, bets to money discrepancy makes me think that Gary Woodland went out to Vegas and put his U.S. Open winnings on the Jayhawks this week. (laughs) Gary Woodland didn't cash very much at the U.S. Open this week, did he? Uh, I meant his U.S. Open winnings from Pebble last year. Oh, oh, well, yeah. Yeah, he's, he has a million five uh, to do that. It would take something special. He might, Maybe because he was so mad about missing the cut, he dumped all of that money back on Kansas against the Baylor. That seems to be a smart idea. Yeah, could be what it is. I think that's actually the, the best thing to do is just to load up your mortgage on the Jayhawks. Uh, that's <laughs> enough college football. There's just not enough good college football this week. If we get marquee matchups around the country, we'll break them down. Mm-hmm. But Auburn, Kentucky, I don't think is marquee enough for us to really get into it. So we're going to move on. What about? To, go ahead, go ahead. What about Mississippi State and Mike Leach? What about that? Is that, that interest you at all against LSU? No. Mississippi State catching 16 and a half on the road, Mike Leach, you don't know what they're going to do. They might come out with figure out some way to get 14 guys on the field. Uh, you're right. Mike Leach kind of just does whatever he wants. Um, new quarterback at LSU, new offense at LSU, new, new personnel at LSU. That doesn't interest you in the least bit. I mean, no, I'm I mean, definitely new, offense, new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator. I mean, you're, you're trying yeah. to talk me into it, but yeah. – I, I don't know. I mean, are, are you particularly keen on one side or the other there? No, I would probably go LSU, but I would, I'm would. i just keen on watching the game because, I, you know, if Mike Leach shows up, I'm compelled. If, if if Lane Kiffin shows up, I'm compelled. So there's some interest to me in, in, in these matchups to start with. Ole Miss catching 14 at home against Florida, getting 95% of the money on Ole Miss. I think that's a Lane Kiffin play. I think I, I think Kentucky is sort of a live dog, uh, getting seven and a half or eight at Auburn. Also, uh, Mark Stoops has done a good job over there. So I just don't want you, Colby, where the SEC means more to sell them short, and I think you did. Yeah, let's do this with these uh, meaningless to me anyway SEC games this week. Here, here's my problem with investing three hours in this game. Uh, the Office goes off Netflix at the end of the year, so I'm just okay. I've got to power through that. That's much more interesting to me than these SEC games. Times. No, You've I've watched, watched it 18 times. I've watched it many more times than that, and I've got to get it in again before the end of the year. That is more enticing to me than Mississippi State and LSU. I just, yes, it means more in the SEC when Alabama plays Georgia. When LSU plays Mississippi State, it doesn't mean more. Okay. Well, I think you're underselling uh, the SEC and overselling the office. It's good, but not <laughs> that good. Uh, maybe you're right. We can get into that on another podcast uh, because okay. actually the Western Conference – um, NBA playoff series has kind of sneakily turned into a good one. If not for an Anthony Davis yep. miracle in game two, yep. the Nuggets yep. have probably outplayed the Lakers in two of the three games in this series, but the Lakers are up 2-1, and the Lakers are six-point favorites tonight against the Nuggets. Uh, the Nuggets were consistently seven to eight point dogs every single game against the Clippers. They're going to continue to be six to eight point dogs every game against the Lakers because people bet yep. on the name. People love the Lakers. What do you think in game four? Well, we told you this time last week, we love the Lakers in game one to route the Nuggets. Nuggets coming on the hangover on the, you know, the big win that they had in the previous series, game seven. It happened. Since then, 
uh, you're right. I think the Nuggets have been the better team. They should have won that game, uh, except for the last second shot. They were better there. Did you know in that game, the Lakers won by two, right, on the last second shot? Yes. Jamal, Jamal Murray in that game played 44 minutes, okay? 44 or 48. So he barely had time to catch his breath. He was plus 16 which means the Nuggets got outscored by 18 points in the four minutes he wasn't in the game. That is so that's brutal. Hard, that, that's hard to do. That's hard to do. That's hard to do if you play 34 minutes. He played 44 minutes. Yeah, by the way, we talk about all the elite duos in the NBA, and we are way past having to include Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic as one of the elite duos in the NBA. Jokic is so fun to watch. He looks like he's sort of moving in slow motion, but is there a more heady player than that guy? There's a he reason. Makes all the right plays. Yeah, there's a reason he's, he looks like he's moving in slow motion, by the way. Which is? He's moving in slow motion. Oh, because it's actually happening. Yes. So it's not just a it's not just a, some sort of smoke and mirrors from the TNT camera. Yeah, okay. don't don't adjust well, your TV set. He's actually moving that slow, and yet he's one of the most effective players in the entire league. He's really fun to watch. He tips the ball in the right spots. He's in the right places for rebounds. I mean, could he work could he be better on defense? Of course. But he's not out there because of that. He's out there because he can get a basket from anywhere on the court, any kind of shot, anywhere along the way. I love watching this Nuggets team play. I think a lot, they've got, they've gained a lot of fans. Uh, you know, they were a three seed, right? And nobody really believed in them. No one really thought that they were truly that good, and they've lived up to it. I, I think they've been a hell of a fun team to watch. I just don't know how that they they stay within seven tonight. I, I'd probably go Lakers tonight, but I'll be cheering for. I'll, I'll be cheering for Denver. I, I think I'm going Denver plus the six. I, I like that side. I think that Denver is – they're not a team of destiny. I don't think they're going to beat the Lakers. I don't think they're going to go win right. an NBA championship. Right. But I do think that they are a team that has a ton of belief that they're never out of a series and that they're never out of a game. And I think six yep. is just too big. You know, at, at four – at three or four, I think you're probably getting value on the Lakers to bounce back and yep. make it a 3-1 series lead. But at six – I mean, Denver's outplayed him the last two games. At six, I think I have to like Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic at six. So that's the side I'm on tonight. Uh, Miami Heat, the fighting Tyler Heroes, lead the Celtics three oh, to man. one. I mean, Tyler Hero, get get you some, young man. Uh, by the yeah, way, he's youngest, player, youngest player to ever play in a conference finals? Not bad. Not bad to drop 37 against the Celtics. Yeah, and how long did we hear about Colby? The Thunder wanted Tyler Hero. You think they did? You think oh, they did? Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's th- a reason for that. All Thunder fans wanted to do was give the Heat Chris Paul, and they just wanted back Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo and a yep. couple of picks. Pretty reasonable. Yep. Well, that would have probably improved the team. It's, it's hard to argue with what Chris Paul did and brought to the oh, Thunder. Yeah. Intangibles and tangibles. You, I think the Thunder maxed out their season pretty well. Now, if they had uh, Bam and Tyler Hero, they're set up for next year. The Thunder are not set up for next year right now. Yep, I agree. So three and a half, Miami is catching in game five. Celtics down 3-1. Been the same. Yep. Three and a half point favorites. Uh, Miami close them out or do we keep going? I think we keep going. I think the series goes seven. I might take Miami in a game seven, but right now uh, down 3-1. The Celtics seem to be on the brink, down 2-0. And Marcus Smart yelling at his teammates. They come back with a nice win. I, I think that they get game five. I think they get game five, so... I would lay the three and a half. Uh, and just to sort of close up the Laker talk, I'd take Lakers first half tonight, whatever that is, probably four, and then uh, wait to see what the second half looks like. I bet the Lakers come out on fire tonight. Oh, really want to prove something. So I'd go Lakers early. 
but I go Celtics in the in the game tomorrow night, Friday night. So you think Celtics Heat is going seven? I think Celtics yep. Heat is going five. I think the Heat have you think broken. It's over. I think that they have broken the will of the Boston Celtics, and I just don't know that I trust this young Boston Celtics team to be in a three-one hole and come out and try to claw their way back from it. And, and not only that. I think Miami's really good. Tyler Hero is not a fluke. Neither is Duncan Robinson. Bam Adebayo has the third most yeah. uh, double-doubles in a single postseason yeah. run in Heat history behind only LeBron James and Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, re- Jimmy Butler does Jimmy Butler things. I think the Heat yeah. are really good, Andrew, and yeah. I think that they're going to close them out tomorrow night. You know what? Uh, what we haven't mentioned is, is there a more surprising coach no. that's done more with with no expectation to do anything in any sport that you can think of in the last 20 years in Spolstra. Eric Spolstra no is phenomenal. At all. He's, he's so he, good. He, he's got no credit either because, you know, he had LeBron and fair. He had LeBron and they won. Good for him. But he managed. But since then, go ahead. Go ahead. Because I've got something no, to say but, about Eric Spolstra. Yeah, but since then, they haven't tanked. They haven't gone under. They haven't un, um, underperformed. He does have the help of Pat Riley and a really good ownership group. I think that makes a difference. They decided to stick it out and trust him. But I think this guy is totally underrated. Um, and I'm not taking anything away from Brad Stevens. I think he's good too. But there were expectations on him. There was no expectations on Spolster. Nobody's more surprising than that guy. Yeah, so you know the show Survivor, right? A lot of fun. Everybody's liked it yep. for a long time. And what happens? At the end of every episode, the tribe has spoken and somebody goes home. Right. Eric Spolstra is the only survivor who's coached LeBron. That's it. That's it. That's a good point. He's the only That's survivor who's coached LeBron. Because what happens? And I love LeBron. I'm the biggest LeBron, you know, homer in the world. But he goes somewhere, and if things start to go a little bit south, the, the organization is like, oh, my God, we've only got LeBron for yeah. a limited amount of time. We've got, we've got to change things up here. Eric yep. Spolstra was so phenomenal at managing those egos and keeping them happy for four years and now he's been good every year without LeBron. Everybody thought Miami was going to turn into Cleveland without LeBron, and they haven't. It didn't take them that long to get back to the top of the league after LeBron yep. left. Pat Riley is phenomenal, and Eric Spolster is phenomenal. I think, I think the two work together really well. Obviously, Pat Riley knows what he's doing, and I, I, I'm just – the more I think about it, the more I'm impressed with Spolster because I don't think anyone believed in that guy, including me. I never thought he was going to be anything. I don't know how you would have. I don't know how you would have. So, yeah, you've almost convinced me. I do think the Celtics get uh, game five, but I, I like Miami in seven still. So. Yep. All right. I like it. Good stuff, Andrew. Reminder, everybody, listen to our NFL podcast as well. We break them down so you can get uh, football and NBA here and then NFL on the other side. Uh, and by the way, because we couldn't record until Thursday this week, no golf picks. Did you bet any golfers this week at the Corrales Punta Cana Resort and Club Championship, Andrew? I watched a lot of Patrick Reed last week. I loved Patrick Reed for two and a half days. That yep. back nine hit on Saturday, and he, well, he did what a mere mortal would do, which is go shoot a million and bogey every hole out there. But, boy, he looked like a smart pick for a while. I was pretty excited about it. But after U.S. Open, I have a hard time going abroad with golf picks. It's just hard to do. Yeah, I, uh, I'm a super golf nerd who gets way into the weeds, so I actually kind of like small tournaments like this because I think you can get better value on long shots when the field is so wide open. So yep. yesterday I put 20 bucks on Sepp Straka at 40-1. to 1. Sepp Straka currently leads. 
uh, in the first round. He shot seven under this morning in a little better conditions. It's a little windy this afternoon, but my other bet, I put 20 on Pat Perez at 70 to one, and he's a couple under this afternoon in windy conditions. So if he can get it in at three or four and play in the calm tomorrow morning, uh, I think I'll have a chance. But yeah, Sepp Strzok at 40 to one, and I've got him as the first round leader. Uh, we need to bring it to the house. Let's just go wire to wire so I don't even have to sweat it. That's my kind of gambling. You're impressive. I got to tell you, just not for your pick, but for your absolute fortitude to make a golf pick every week. That's impressive. <laughs> My commitment to golf betting, your, even... Your commitment to degenerate golf tournament betting, is it, it's unmatched. Thank you. I'm taking that as a compliment. Andrew, have a great Absolutely. weekend. We'll do it again next okay. week. Sounds good. All right, that's Andrew Gilman. Follow us on Twitter at Andrew Gilman. Okay, at Colby J. Powell. Download the Thrive Fantasy app. Have some fun with some prop bets. Enjoy the football and the basketball this weekend. We're back next week. Thanks for listening to By the Hook.